Generations Church Podcast. but I brought a picture of them, and so it's my wife, Amy. My oldest son is Mason, and that youngest guy right there is Bryson, and uh, he keeps me on my knees in prayer every single day. And uh, if you're talking about kids, Pastor Michael, man, I'm telling you what, good luck, man. It's awesome. It's coming. But uh, hey, I've been knowing uh, Pastor Justin and Casey for quite a while. Went to Bible college together with them and several people here in the church and on staff. And uh, man, it is just a huge honor to stand here today. You know, I remember talking about ministry like 20, 25 years ago with these guys and talking about what God is going to do in our lives and to just stand here today and just see what God has done uh, through the ministry of Justin and Casey in this church is just absolutely amazing. You have a phenomenal pastor. You know that. And, uh, but make sure that you text him that. Make sure you tell him that so his head can get even bigger. And, uh, and man, this month is Pastor Appreciation Month, so appreciate your pastors. Um, so today... Man, uh, we're going to be continuing in this sermon series called Thriving in Obscurity. As I mentioned, I've known Justin and Casey for a while, and and really our lives have kind of followed this similar track. Our our lives have kind of followed a similar journey. Uh, I've I've been a youth pastor. Uh, We've spoken at camps. I've I've, uh, planted a church. Uh, We've been lead pastors and staff pastors. And uh, But you know what? Today, I, I come to you with no title. Today, I come to you with, with no congregation that I'm leading or, or, or none of that. Matter of fact, Shannon asked me about what to put under my name, and I was like, just leave it blank. Put nothing. Like right now, we are, are literally living in a season that is, would be considered maybe obscurity. We're living in a season of our lives this past year in, in a season of anonymity or a hiddenness. We, we started out in, in, in ministry several years ago, and uh, we led several uh, great youth ministries, but man, it always seemed to just kind of have some different turns towards the end. Life and ministry and, and things didn't seem to uh, go just perfectly according to our little Bible college plan. And, and if you were here last week, you, you heard Casey's story and, and you've heard these past messages. If you haven't listened to them, I encourage you to go back on the website and, and watch these messages. It'll definitely make sense by hearing today's message. Because where I find myself right now is we, we planted a church in Denver, Colorado for about five years, set up and tear down mobile church, all of that. And we found ourselves in a season that we really felt stuck. Stuck in ministry, stuck in life, and really asking God, God, what is going on? God, what do you want from us? And we made this radical decision, this this bold move to step away from our church, to hand everything over to our associate, to sell our house, and to move our family uh, to the south, where I'm from. I'm originally from New Orleans, and uh, we're living around Gulf Shores, Alabama right now on the coast, and beautiful place where we are spending this season of sabbatical, this, this season of obscurity with no title, with no position, with no office, with no uh, title under my name. I'm just Sean. I'm just a dad. I'm a lover of Jesus. I'm a husband, 
and I'm trying to be the very best Christ follower that I can be. So I don't know where you find yourself at, maybe on, on the highest of highs today, or, or, or you find yourself in the lowest of lows, where, wherever it may be today, I, I want to share just some lessons that I've picked up in this year, some lessons on thriving in obscurity. Uh, as, as Pastor Justin had, had talked about, uh, what is this message about? It's, it's about remaining faithful when you find yourself hidden, remaining faithful when things just don't seem to go as planned or when things seem to just keep going wrong and wrong and wrong. And how do you respond when you're in this hidden season? This time that we are taking away has been some of the best seasons of our life, of our marriage, of, of our prayer time, of we're, we're seeing success in this time of hiddenness. There's, there's this idea that, you know what, it wasn't part of the overall plan. Really, I didn't sit at Bible college saying to Justin, hey man, one day, you know, about 15 years in the ministry, man, I'm gonna take a year off, and this is all, that, that wasn't part of the, my plan, but it was definitely part of God's plan. And how many of you know that, that we can make a plan, that, that we can kind of figure things out, but I want what God wants from my life. God sees the big picture. God sees the overarching plan, and we've experienced some of the greatest ministry, some of the greatest leading times. We've thrived during this season of obscurity. So I want to share today just some lessons learned, and I want to really redefine what obscurity looks like. There's a chapter in Exodus chapter 20. If you want to look there on your phones or your Bibles or the screen here in just a moment, there's a verse that, that it's really cool. Uh, we're going to look at a translation called the Darby translation in, in the Bible. And, and he uses a word that's different than some other words. But what's happening is Moses is, is about to go to this top of this mountain and, and there's lightning and there's thunder and there's clouds, kind of like last night. You know, man, it got a little crazy. Uh, I, I flew in from Alabama. We just left kind of a hurricane situation a few weeks ago, and now, like, I'm on the tornado warning, and it was pretty crazy. I'm, like, watching the website and looking at the news. I'm like, sure enough, I come to Oklahoma, and a tornado's going to suck me up, you know, and take me away, and I'm texting my wife and all of this, but, you know, it was okay. I just cried a little bit last night, but everything went, went fine in that hotel room. We, uh, you know, no disaster took place. But what's happening, Moses is on this mountain. He's got to go through the clouds. He goes through all this stuff, and he's going to go meet with God for God to give him the Ten Commandments, like the top ten. This, this ten things for successful living, this ten laws from God. Of, he says, if you keep these, then, then, then you will be a Christ follower. You will be a lover of Jesus. And, and we find that here in chapter 20, verse 20, Moses said to the people, fear not, for God has come to prove you, another word there is to test you, that the fear of him may be before you. Now, that's not a fear of being afraid of God. It's this reverence. It's this awe. And, and I'm challenging you, man, don't ever lose your awe of who God is. Don't ever lose this wonder and this reverence of who God is. We get to come to church and stand in his presence. We're pursuing his presence, like the song says. But in that presence, man, there's peace and there's joy and there's grace and there's mercy. But we come to that presence and we say, God, we humbly stand before you. Let's never lose our awe of who God is. 
is. And it says that, that he's come before you that you may not sin, that we won't sin and do wrong when we don't lose, when we keep the awe of God. In verse 21, it says, and the people stood afar off and Moses drew near into the obscurity where God was and Jehovah spoke with Moses. Now, now we don't really typically see that God is in the obscurity. Other translations use the word darkness. And, and I don't know about you, but I've never really equated God being in the darkness, right? There's no shadow in him, all those great verses. But in this case, God is there with Moses. If he can push through the clouds, if he can push through that, he's going to have a conversation with God, that God will reveal his plan for his people, and then Moses can take that plan down. And I want to redefine this idea of obscurity today. God is in the obscurity. God is there with you in the hiddenness. God is there in the anonymity. God is there with you when you're going through struggles and trials and pain and suffering. God is there. We have this idea that God has left us in this obscurity, but that's exactly where God is. Longing to have a conversation with you, longing to speak with you like a man talks to a friend. That's how God spoke with Moses. We have this idea that when struggles come, when trials come, when situations arise, that God, where are you? God, you've left us here to die. And I want to challenge that today. I want you to know that, that Christianity is not suffering free. Christianity is not problem free. We're not here selling that kind of walk with God. There will be tr uh, troubles. There will be struggles. There will be trials. But we know that God is with us and he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. It's not about come to God and all your bank accounts will be full and all your relationships will be healed and all these things. God can help us with that. God will guide us through those things but we know that when we go through trials, it's not a, a sign of God's curse on our lives. It's not a, it's a sign of God's blessing if you get a front row parking spot. It, it's the idea that, that we walk through life and we say, God, through all the things that we face, you're still God. This moment that we're in is just this speck in time. It's just this mark in time compared to this huge grand scheme of all that God has, this grand plan that he has for our life. And right now we find ourselves, me, my wife, my two boys, in this, in the, in this obscurity, in this hiddenness, but we're thriving through it, and I want to share with you just some lessons. We see obscurity, what, what we see oftentimes as obscurity, God sees as an opportunity, and God wants to speak to us through the opportunity. We need to embrace the hidden times because there are lessons to be learned. The first lesson that I want to share with you today, real simple, I want to just go through about five real quick lessons that you can walk away with and just kind of hear from me, from my perspective of, of how we've thrived through a hidden season. Number one is this, is that stillness is an action. Stillness is an action. The Bible says to be still and to know that he is God. But how many of you know it's hard to be still? 
I'm not a be still kind of guy. When I was a kid, my dad sat me at a kitchen table, I was about 10 years old, sat me at the table and said, if you sit here, put your hands on the table, your feet on the floor, for just five minutes, I will give you $20. That would have been the easiest $20 to make. I lasted about 28 seconds, man, and I'm like, oh man, all right, I gotta move. I was real fidgety as a kid and, and all of that. I had to move, I had to, I had to keep action and, and, and moving. Now my brother, he could have sat there for four hours, just like, what up, no big deal. You know, give me 20 bucks, dad, you know, I'm fine. My dad knew that was the safest bet he ever made in his life, man, trying to give me money for being still. Being still is hard. And in our minds, in our society, in this day and age, in this culture, we've got to be busy, right? We've got to keep moving and all of this. And, you know, if you ask somebody, man, how are you doing? Oh, I'm busy, real busy. What does that even mean? Are we trying to impress people by our busyness? God wants us to be still, to find those quiet moments, to be still, like Scripture says, and to know that he is God. This word that, that God spoke to me before we left Colorado and, and just kind of entering into this season, this word in my prayer time was simply to abide. And I'm like, God, I don't even know what that word means, abide. You're telling me this? I had to go look it up in the dictionary. And, and really, the, that word literally just means to come along and go with, to come along with, to abide, to be still in Christ. And in this season, for me, learning to be still is a, is a trait that is helping me in my life. This word means to observe or to stick, to obey, to come along with. I love this quote. I wrote this down for you today. It says, uh, you and I have been called to a faithful pursuing patience. I don't know about you, but I don't like that word patience, man. I'm like, God, I want patience and give it to me now, you know? But the truth is we have to wait if we want patience we have to learn to be still and to wait. This pursuing of patience as we walk with God in what he is doing, in the ways in which he's doing it, and the timing that he chooses to do it. I want to submit to the timing of God. See, I had this thought, I had this belief when God spoke to us to, to step away, to walk away from a church plant that we had kind of poured our life into, man. We had, we had planted this thing. We had worked hard for this thing, and, and now we're having to walk away, and, and, and God's leading us this way. And I thought, God, what did I do? Did, did, did I not lead well enough? Did I not pray hard enough? Did I not preach what you asked me to preach? Like, was it, was it my fault? And, and, and I had this belief that I had failed God. A guy was putting me on the bench because I wasn't performing the way he wanted me to perform. And that's, that's a twisted view of who God is, man. God is not promoting you or demoting you on, based on your performance. He can't love you any more or any less. He loves you for who you are. I was reminded of the time when, when Jesus was getting baptized in the Bible before he ever did any miracle, before he ever spoke any teachings. Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist and the voice in heaven said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. God is pleased with you before you do anything for him. He's more concerned with who you are as a man, as a woman, who you are on the inside than what performance he can get out of you. 
And I want you to know that being still is part of God's plan. God has whispered things to me in this season. God has spoken things to me in this season. That, that being still doesn't mean being lazy. Being still doesn't mean just sitting on the beach, you know, just kind of kick back drinking sweet tea. Being still is still an action. It's a pursuit. It's an abiding with Christ to know him and to know him more. Exodus chapter 14, it says this, this famous line about Moses. He's standing before the Red Sea, and he's not sure what to do. In verse 14, it says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Being still is an action, and I'm learning to thrive in obscurity by being still. Number two is this, another uh, lesson learned. Number two is that obscurity and greatness are not opposites. And I think somebody needs to hear that one today. Obscurity and greatness are not opposites. Greatness is born in and through obscurity. We, we tend to see this time of, of obscurity or hiddenness or, or resting as, as, as opposite of greatness. But how many of you know this, that Jesus spent 90% of his life hidden 90% of his life, we don't know what he was doing. And 90% of Jesus' life is lived in obscurity. We only know about 10% of, of Jesus' life, about three and a half years of his existence. And, and I would guarantee to say that Jesus lived a life of greatness. And so who do we think we are? Why would we be any different? Craving a spotlight, craving a title. God wants to understand that greatness is found through the obscurity. These are seasons that are holy and sacred. They're not failures and they're not punishments. We need to, again, rethink the way that we see times of hiddenness. A lot of things that Jesus taught were, were counter-cultural, different than what the thinking is. If we want to desire greatness, that's fine, but it's a different way that we obtain that greatness. Mark chapter 10 says, whoever would be great among you must be a servant. We must serve. And again, this, this different style of thinking, this different way to, to rethink. I, I love what Thomas Akempis said. He says, it is better for a man to be obscure and obtain his salvation than to neglect it and work miracles. It's not about what we do for God. It's about what God wants to do in us. And oftentimes, I think that we we kick against this or we fight against the struggles or the strain, but it's the struggle and the strain that makes us great. Pastor Michael was talking about running. Man, I, I love to run. When I flew in yesterday, I, I found a trail. Uh, Shelly at the hotel, she comes here, and she told me about this great trail uh, right there, uh, the Parks River Trail, I think it is, and ran on the river. And there's these big, beautiful painted mile markers. And, and on mile marker three, it's painted down there. There's a quote on, on every mile marker. And, and it says something like this. It, it says, keep running, or, or like run in such a way that, that your idols will become your rivals. And, and it, what that means is, is, is if you keep running and you keep getting better and better and better, those that are passing you up on the trail, those perfect bodies, that guy with like no shirt and everything is just perfect. If I ran with no shirt, it'd be like flopping everywhere, man, it'd be crazy. So, man, you know, that guy that I'm gonna catch him, man, it may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, it may not be a year from now, but I'm going to win one day if I continue 
to struggle through it. I guarantee that first run was a little bit tough, a little bit difficult. If you've ever ran that, that first couple weeks, man, you're like wheezing, you're coughing, you're like, I hate this. Why would anybody want to do this? And then you kind of cross this line where like, this is pretty good. I get it. I understand it. You know, and then you're like signing up for half marathons and crazy stuff like that. You know, there, there's all these things in it. Why? Because, man, we see that the resistance and the struggle and the strain helped us to become great. The obscurity, the strain, the, the struggle, the, 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 the things that we are facing is helping us to become great, to become more and more like Christ. Greatness and obscurity are not opposites. Don't see it that way. God doesn't have me on a bench somewhere. Man, some of the greatest conversations, some of the greatest ministry that I've ever done has been in this season of my life. Some of the greatest discipleship and, and conversations. I got to have a conversation with a guy who was an atheist and, and help him to develop a prayer life and, and this walk with God. Like crazy stuff, man, during this hidden season. Obscurity and greatness are not opposites. Being still is an action. Number three is this, is that detours were always part of the plan. If we believe that God orders our steps, we have to also believe that he orders our stops as well. And he orders our pauses. He orders our delays as well. What we think as a delay, God sees as part of the path. It's part of the plan. You ever were maybe like getting ready to go somewhere and, and maybe like the kids were late or your spouse is running late, you're waiting on them, you're like getting in arguments, like hurry up, we're gonna be late, you know, piling in the car and, and we're like, we're 10 minutes late and you're angry at each other, you're catching every red light, you know, on the road and then you get on the interstate and then boom, there was this big wreck like just in front of you. And, and that thought comes into your mind like if we were on time, that could have been us. We don't see the big picture. We don't understand why there are delays in our life. It's not our job to understand it. It's our job to trust that God sees the overarching plan and submit our ways to him. I mentioned earlier about this, this mark or this moment. We see this spot of our life and all this in the past and all this in the future. And sometimes we get so wrapped up in this little moment. We have to understand that God is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he's going to do. Because of all the faithfulness in the past, I can have confidence that in the future that God is never going to leave me and he's never, ever going to forsake me. God's will is, is not this tightrope that we have to walk, like navigating this perfect line that if we make one little mistake, that's it, we plummet to our death out of God's will forever. No, God is there to prop us up, to lead us, to guide us by the nudging of the Holy Spirit. And what seems like a detour is part of the plan that God has for you. Trust him. Trust him and know. I've had to learn to trust that even though this wasn't part of my plan, what I thought, this has been one of the sweetest, greatest seasons of my life. To know that God has not forgotten me. God's not put me on a bench. God is waiting 
for that right moment to release me into the destiny that he has for me. Proverbs 16, 9 says, uh, the heart of a man plans his way, but it's the Lord that establishes his steps. God's not surprised by this season of your life or my life. God's not taken back going, oh man, I wonder what I'm gonna do. God knows exactly what to do because he's God and he's got this. And we've got to submit our will and our ways to him. So what can you learn through this season that will prepare you for the next season that God has for you? See, here's what I know. I know that God never wastes an opportunity. And so God never wastes pain. God never wastes a bad decision. God never wastes the things that you're facing and the things that you're going through. God will use it as part of the great big story that he has for you. Psalms 57, two says, I cry out to the most high God, to God who will fulfill his purpose for my life. He will. It is a guarantee. It is a promise. God wants you in his will more than you want to be in his will. He is the one that will help guide you there. It's your job to be faithful. It's his job to be fruitful. Don't ever get those two mixed up. All you've got to do is obey. All you've got to do is walk. That definition of success in God's kingdom is that we obey him, that we walk in step with him, in line with him, and in tune with him. It's our job to be faithful. It's his job to be fruitful. Number four, as we kind of wrap this thing up, just, just two more lessons. This is probably one of my favorite ones that I've learned in all of this season. The process is more important than the destination. Man, that is a good one. The process is more important than the destination. What man considers the process, God considers the goal. What is God trying to get into you and what God is trying to get out of you is more important than, than where you'll end up. I, I love coffee, man. I, I'm a coffee freak, man. I, I love the results of coffee, like the caffeine fix, man. I've had a lot of coffee this morning. It was really good. But I, I love that part. But, but I've, I've got this little Chemex uh, deal for my birthday. My wife bought it. If you don't know what it is, you can Google it and see it. Unbelievable. Changes the coffee experience, man. I like weigh out the beans and perfect grind and the water temperature. I've got this app on my phone that, that t tells me all these things. It takes like three minutes and 45 seconds for my perfect cup of coffee. I mean, it's great, man. And, and what I've learned is that I actually enjoy the process of, of making coffee. Not, not just the results, but, but man, like that I get to craft this, this perfect cup of coffee. The other day, I kind of hit it perfect, man. I've been experimenting with all these different beans and grinds and things, and man, I just got the perfect cup of coffee. Oh, I was just sipping it. I was enjoying I texted my friend. I'm like, dude, I just did it. I did it. I achieved greatness. You know, that's it. God's will for my life is done, man. I, I brewed the perfect cup. Well, man, and I'm like posting pictures of it for him, and it was just amazing. And, and what I've learned is, man, is that, that the process is more important than the results, because God wants us to learn through the process. There, there, there's a thing that you do when you're making this coffee, you pour the water on it at first and it lets the grinds bloom. I, I didn't even know what that was so I learned it. And, and it's letting all of these uh, gases and stuff out of those grinds. And, and again, what is God trying to get out of us, the impurities out of us so that we become a sweet fragrance and a sweet taste, not only to God, 
to our society and to our world, to our community. That God, that people can see our lives and they glorify God. They see our good works, but they glorify our Father who is in heaven. What is God trying to teach you in the process? See, we're always, in, we were always so uh, ingrained in our heads and our thoughts to, that the destination is everything, that, that one day I'm going to be in full-time ministry. Well, guess what? We're all called to ministry. And one day I'm going to do this. Or one day when I get here, then all my, my problems will be fixed. If I can just get married, if I can just have this career or just make this amount of money. But what God is more concerned with is the process, that what you are going through and he's trying to teach you something. So what can you learn in this? I love this quote. It says, life is not a destination that we can be diverted. Life's a journey made up of many paths and summits and valleys. And it's our job to find purpose and joy and happiness in each and every season. I don't know what you're facing today, man. You, you may be going through something that feels painful you may be going through something that seems like a trial or a storm, or you may feel like God is silent, like he's not answering. And, and I've oftentimes heard this quote that the teachers don't talk during the test. And there's times that we go through this testing, not, not that God's trying to get us to trip up, but, but God is proving us. Remember our scripture, our text, God is proving us and he's teaching us and he's inviting us into the obscurity where he is, to learn from him, to have a conversation with him. Stop pushing against this time. Stop resisting this, this time of hiddenness and allow God to talk to you through it. Don't rush the process. Man, if we want instant coffee, we can get instant coffee. It's gonna taste rough, man, but guess what? The result's caffeine. Woo we're gonna be all hyped up, but God wants us to go at it at his timing, at his pace, the, the rhythm of God. That's what I challenge you today. Learn the rhythm that God has for your life. And the lastly today is this. It's all about the long game. It's all about the long game. We get so caught up, like I mentioned, in this moment, this, this feeling, God, I don't feel you today. God, I don't hear you today. Or God, my prayer wasn't answered the way that I want. And, and sometimes we allow our faith to become situational. God, you didn't do it the way I wanted, the way I expected, the way I thought. So there must not be a God or you must be mad at me, or all these things, and that's not true. If we look at God's faithfulness over the course of our life, even if you're not a follower of Christ, you can look back and see that your life has had this ebb and flow to it. And I would submit to you that that's God's hand kind of helping you, directing you, navigating you to this moment, to this point in time, where we say, God, what would you have for me? To be still, and to know that he's God, to understand that, that these detours are, 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 are not just getting off God's plan. They're part of God's plan for him to teach us and to train us and for us to, to learn from him. This long game mentality, this idea that it's a marathon, not a sprint. We can all go out today and go to that trail and we can all start to run five miles, right? 
Every one of us could start. Some of you might get three steps and be like, whoo, I'm done. <laughs> that was good. Good job there, man. Great job. Some of you might get one, two, three miles. Some of you might be able to go the full distance. Anybody can start something, but it's those who finish. And God's in it for the long game. He wants to train you. He wants to help you. He wants to, to navigate you through the darkness, the light, the mountains, the valleys, the good days, the bad days, and all of it saying, God, all of this has made me who I am today. What's the long game that God has for you? The other day I was reading in my devotion, it was a little reflection question by Oswald Chambers, and it said this, it says, do I fuss and fume over every inconvenience, or do I consider the possibility that they were put there to slow me down and cause me to see something important that I would have missed? See, here's what's cool, man. I, we get to, in this season that we're in, taking time off, God's allowing us to go back to Colorado. We're gonna, we're gonna go back in January. And we're gonna reopen a church that was closed down. We prayed and asked the Lord, God, show us what the next step is. And even this situation's gonna be a little bit of obscurity. I'm not taking the lead role on this church. I'm gonna be a support role. And I'm gonna be over discipleship and planting other campuses, doing different things. It's gonna look a lot different. We're stepping out in faith and allowing God to navigate Allowing God to say, everything that you've been through has prepared you for this next season. It's the long game. It's the long game of serving God that we can come to the end of our journey with Christ and we can hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. That we can be like Paul and say, I've ran the course and I've finished the race and there's laid up for me a prize. What if the great big thing that God wants from you is simply to learn how to persevere and to wait and have patience on him? What if God's calling you through your obscurity, through your situation to, to help someone else along the way? I remember just a few months before we left Colorado, Casey wrote this book. Last week, you saw Casey's video, and it was amazing, man. If you haven't read the book, you need to go buy that book. It's incredible, incredible stuff. She opened up, and she shared about some experiences. And Amy, my wife, and Casey have kind of been on, again, kind of some similar journeys, some similar paths. They, they don't know each other. We didn't all go to Bible college together. They, I married Amy later on, and, and so Casey and Amy have just known each other just through social media or, or through times that we spent together. But God impressed on Casey to, to write her a note in the book, and the mail heard that book, and, and it was a sweet note. It was awesome. And it's probably about six months before we left Colorado, and that book sat on Amy's shelf. She didn't read it immediately, and I don't know why. And, and I was like, dude, do you just not like Casey? I mean, like, what are you doing? Read the book. You know, she, but um, it was just God's timing. And so we packed everything up, and we moved, and we're unpacking, and she grabbed the book. And in the first few weeks we were on our season, she's reading through Casey's book, and she read it in about two days, and it just, it just spoke to her heart, man. She sat there and just wept. 
It's like every one of these words are things that I wanted to, to say that were in my heart, and I didn't know how to say it. I didn't know how to express it. We started our sabbatical, started our season off with Amy reading that book and really set the, the, the course and the trajectory of our season of sabbatical. With everything that, that Casey wrote down, all the things that she went through, all the stuff, if it was only for my wife, dude, it was worth it, man. And I know it was for many, many more. Who knows that what you're going through today could be somebody's victory down the road. What are you facing in this moment that, that you're kind of pushing against God going, God, I don't want to go through this. I'm not happy about this. This is kind of painful. This is kind of obscure and, 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 and anonymous. God, I'm not sure, but maybe a year, two years, 20 years from now, it becomes someone's life-changing moment. It's worth it. It's worth it. We always say, if it just reaches one, but do we live that way? No, we, we want to reach the world, right? We want to reach the thousands, but what if God is just calling you to reach the one who will reach the thousands? Are you willing to do it? Are you willing to let God reshape how you see obscurity and hiddenness and anonymity and say, God, I find you there, and I find your grace and your love and your rest. Takeaways today, just to simply recap, it's okay to be still. Be quiet, he's there. Obscurity and greatness, they're not opposites. They work hand in hand. These detours in life, they're all part of God's great, big, awesome plan that he has for you. Fall in love with the process. Fall in love with the process and see the big picture, the long game. What can you learn today that you can apply tomorrow? I want you to bow your heads with me today. Maybe you're in this room and you say, Sean, I, I'm not even sure that I'm right with God. I'm not even sure I've got a relationship with God. You've, you've talked about all that God's done for you in the past and all this. I'm not even sure that he's done anything for me in the past. I just don't know. Man, I'm, I'm talking to you today. Today is an awesome day for you to accept Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. Maybe an easy way to put it is, where do you find yourself on this journey of faith? Maybe a scale of one to 10, like one being this atheist that says there is no God, and, and 10 being like Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, Pastor Justin, whoever you put on that level there, and, 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 and five being just crossing the line of faith. Where, where are you today? See, it's my goal, and I believe it's this church's goal, that you would just take the next step. We believe that everybody has the next step. You guys say that all the time. And so what's your next step? What is your next step with God? Maybe today it's just saying, God, I'm going to give you my past. God, I'm going to give you my situation. I'm going to give you my future. I'm going to give you my sin. I'm going to give you my guilt and my shame. Whatever it is, God is here to take all of the stuff Bible says that he makes an amazing trade. He takes all of your sorrows and all of the sin, and he gives you hope, joy, peace, grace, mercy, love. What an amazing trade. And at the end of the day, it's eternal life with him. If you're in here today and 
You say, hey, Sean, that's me, man. I'm, I'm ready to cross that line of faith. I'm ready to make a move. All I'm going to do is ask you in just a little moment to just raise your hand. I'm going to pray with you right where you're at. We're not going to ask you to come down front or embarrass you at all. This is something between you and God. But this church wants to help you along the journey. I'm going to ask you that if you do raise your hand or you do pray this prayer, that you go public with that, maybe talking to one of the pastors or your friend and get in a small group, get in a group that's gonna help you grow your faith. If that's you today and say, hey, Sean, I'm ready. I'm ready to say yes to Jesus and, and no to sin. I'm ready to give my heart to God. If that's you, just raise your hand. Just right where you're at. Awesome, thank you. You can put it down. Anybody else? Awesome. It's awesome. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray this prayer together. And listen, you need to know that there's no like magic chant. There's no power in, in, in just saying these words. The power is walking out of these doors, a changed person and living differently, living to please God, not to please yourself. You don't have to figure it all out. You don't have to have all the answers right here, right now. Jesus is the answer. He saves you instantly today. You are forgiven. You are made whole. And then there's this process. There's a big word called sanctification. It's just a process of being more like Christ. And that's why this church exists, to help you become more like him. Let's pray. If you want to repeat these words, you can. Pray your own words. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, please forgive me for all the wrong things that I've ever done. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I need you, Jesus. Send people into my life that will push me towards you, not pull me away from you. I can't do this alone. Cleanse me of my sin. Give me a new life, the new start. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Hey, let's give these guys a round of applause today. Amen. Welcome to a new life. I'm telling you, find somebody, go public with it today. Those of you that raised your hand, find a connect group, a small group, get involved. This church is here to help you along on the journey. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv. Thank you.